Welcome to The Orcapod, a spin-off series brought to you by one of the dudes from the PP1 podcast. That's me, Braden Ursel, here to bring you all the up-to-date news on the Vancouver Canucks. Hello Canuck fans and welcome to the official launch of the Orcapod. This is a Canucks based podcast and I'm going to be your host. My name is Braden Ursel. A little bit about me. I'm almost 27 years old. I'm living in Kelowna, BC. I am the site expert of the Canuck way. And I have another podcast about the Canucks called the PP1 podcast, which I host with two friends, Ryan and Ted. Uh, they're good buddies of mine here in Kelowna. Um, I'm still doing that podcast with my friends there. Uh, it's been going strong, great time. But uh, I might be moving to Burnaby uh, for next year to go to school. So I've decided to take this time to try to start my own podcast uh, to get out there and meet a lot of big Canuck fans and just kind of get the podcast world going for myself as I want to continue it down the road here. Um, you know, the Canucks are having a great season. It's a great time to uh, get a podcast going. So. I'm just going to be interviewing people, trying to meet people every week, uh, people just like me who are, you know, big fans of the Canucks and just want to talk the Canucks, some Canucks hockey. So yeah, this is going to be a good spot for you to come get your extra Canucks news. Um, it's going to be a great time. I hope you enjoy it. I got some special guests for episode one. Uh, you probably know him, his name, Clay Emo, as Canuck Clay on Twitter. And I got Pete Edwards, known as Pete underscore gas from Canucks Speakeasy Podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, joining me now is the first ever guest of the Orcapod. He goes by Pete Gass, and he has a podcast called Canucks Speakeasy. Welcome to the show, man. How's it going? It's good, Ray. How are you doing? Really good, man. Just happy to have you here. How's it feel to be the first ever guest of the Orcapod? Well, uh, you can only go up from here, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, I got to know you uh, through my other podcast, the, the PP1 podcast. Uh, you know, and then I won some tickets off your guys' podcast and came down and watched uh, Burroughs Night with you and uh, Doug Venn. That, uh, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? That was a, that was a good game, yeah. It was... Uh... Nice to finally see Alex Burroughs get some sort of acknowledgement for everything that he did with uh, with the team and just just his whole you know rise from the ashes pretty much of the ECHL to uh, having his name hanging up in Rogers 
a pretty fun night. Yeah, awesome night. Uh, 5-2 win for the guys. Uh, big night for your boy, uh, Adam Gaudet. Um, you know, it was really nice to meet you guys. You guys were uh, really friendly. Uh, I felt like I made some some friends there uh, I can talk Canucks hockey with for quite some time in the future here. Um, you have a partnership with your buddy uh, Doug Venn, and you guys do the Canucks Speak Easy. Uh, do you have anything to say about your podcast and how that all got started, How's it, how, how it's going, how people can reach yeah, you there and sure. stuff? Yeah, for sure. So uh, we've just been going uh, 26 episodes now. We started uh, in the off-season this last year. Um, and just kind of the idea was just uh, was something we've been talking about for a couple of years, and we finally decided to get off our asses and actually do it. Um, but the whole kind of focus of it has really just become uh, creating a voice uh, for the Canucks fans to have intelligent conversations about the Canucks and not get into this whole divide that always seems to divide Canucksville, but just, mm-hmm. just talk about the team, the pros, the cons, what you like, what you don't like. Um, I think there's this general narrative in a lot of Canucks Twitter that you have to pick a side and you have to either be pro-Benning or against Benning or pro-Tanev or anti-Tanev. Or, and and it's, it's, it's all pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's, you can be both things in the Canucks universe and you can just be a fan and we just want to kind of create an outlet for fans who are you know, have something to say and are more level-headed, but just uh, have reasons for their uh, responses. And so uh, Doug and I are really kind of steering the podcast towards being a fan voice. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you know, as a fan myself, I, we uh, we joked on my other podcast there with you guys that we're kind of expansion cousins. We got kind of started around the same time, uh, you know, and uh, it's been fun for, for you know, the Canucks fan base. The podcasts are really kind of blowing up uh, these last couple of years, and uh Listening to your guys' podcast and getting to know you, it's it's quite clear you're you're quite the big Canucks fan. Um, I just gotta ask you, like, how did you really become a Canucks fan? Uh, who was the player that jumped out at you and kind of made you start watching the Canucks back in the past? Who's your favorite present Canuck, and who are you looking forward to watching the future? Uh, sure. So '84 um, is when I started following the Canucks, and uh, the Canucks were not good in '84, and really <laughs> for the rest of that decade. Um, they were in a very tough Smythe division and would often battle with the Jets and the Kings for the last playoff spot and usually get pummeled by the Flames or the Oilers mm-hmm. when they did get in. So it was a tough decade. Um, the first year watching hockey was the first year of the Oilers Cup, and so they were pretty prominent in Canada. First real favorite Canuck player, geez, was probably Garth Butcher. I was always a big Garth Butcher fan wow. uh, back in the day. He was yeah. just a scary dude to have on the blue line, and the Canucks didn't have a lot up front. Petri Skrico was another guy I really liked. Um, and then moving on to kind of the current team, geez, I mean, there's a lot of guys to like being being Pete myself. It's hard not to say <laughs> Patterson. Right. Uh, but the more I've watched Quinn Hughes this year, uh, he's just because just he's unbelievable. Even just uh, the game last night, just again spinning and skating. It's hard for me not to say him, but probably go with Petey or Captain Bo. I don't think Bo is getting enough love for everything he's done this year, and he's getting he's getting love, but I think he deserves a lot more. He's kind of lost in the shadow of the two guys I mentioned and Markey. Um, moving forward, there's there's a couple of prospects. We all know uh, Hoglander and uh, uh, Pod Colson. Uh, Pod Colson, a couple more points this weekend. He's looking to really do something, I think, with uh, with KHL uh, team uh, St. Petersburg moving forward um, next year. And I think he's going to dominate the juniors next year. I think we're, we're, we've got really got something there. Um, he's a guy who jumps out. And 
she's uh, I mean, there's a few other guys. Jet Wu has been uh, another guy I'm, I'm looking forward to. I mm-hmm. hope he can take that next level. And Cole Lind, I think Cole Lind is going to make the team next year. That's awesome. I mean, those are some good choices. Um, I couldn't agree with you more about uh, Bo Horvat. I think uh, he honestly does way more for this team than he does get credit for. Like, I mean, a lot of the fans, don't get me wrong, they know how important he is for this team, but... Um, you know, we're, we're playing the Boston Bruins last night and, uh, you know, a 9-3 stomping. And it was a kind of a game where the Canucks had to show, you know, that they weren't going to be pushed around anymore. Um, There's that big hit against Pedersen back against the Bruins. Uh, and the Canucks have kind of been a different team since then. And especially going up against the Bruins again at home, I kind of felt like it was Bull Horvat out of anybody who had to kind of step up and send a message. And I feel like he really did that against uh, the the Bruins on Saturday night. I mean, he he finished the game with Gordie Howe hat trick. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, those are rare in Vancouver. I think from what I've seen and been looking for, I think it's been twenty years since we last had a, a guy get a Gordie Howe hat trick. But I think uh, even the whole thing when he fought Charlie Coyle there, it, it's kind of something that normally you know you see these little scrums at the benches and the Canucks were pulling away a bit there. There wasn't mm-hmm. a need to fight, but I feel like Bo wanted to. I think he wanted to send a message to the team. And ever since that first Boston game. I think the Canucks have double the amount of fighting majors Mm -hmm. since that Boston game than they did for everything before that. And I think a large part of that, and I have no proof of this, but what it feels like is that Bo talked to the players and said, hey, are we going to let this happen? We have an identity here. They have a tight dressing room from everything Mm -hmm. that we've seen. And I think that Bo is, and no, not enough of this, right in front of the benches, pushing around with the guy, Mm -hmm. he's just—he's going to jump right in. He's going to get in the Bruins' face. I love seeing that. Um, I'm never a guy who says you have to have fighting in the game. I think Mm -hmm. uh, fighting, especially in this speed NHL, is a bit of a dated concept. However, as you get into these stretches, the game self-polices, and if a team is taking liberties with the Canucks, you need to push back and you need to do that. And we saw it last night. Myers got in a wrestling match with their biggest player. <laughs> yeah. Two giants going at it. But I think what Bo was doing is leading the team on and off the ice. I really loved with Sedin Week seeing that picture of Bo in front of all the uh, the captains. Uh, I love that. I think just everything he's done is skating has been fantastic. He's been our best four checker, I think, this year, along with Tyler Mott. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, yeah, I just can't say enough good things about him. I think for all the good things that we've talked about with Vancouver, I think more praise needs to be rained upon Bo Horvat as well. Yeah, almost in a sense, like, it's kind of crazy to think, but just because he has been shadowed by other valuable players on this team, you can honestly put him in an unsung category, like an unsung hero sort of deal. Um, but just kind of sidetracking from from Horvat for a second, and, you know, I know he's really, I want to put, I want to talk to you about the playoff push in just a minute here, but... Uh, just kind of backtracking to Sedin week and Sedin night. I know you're a season ticket holder, and uh, I know you were there for that night. Can you kind of walk us through the experience of Sedin night, just as a as a big fan of the team? And, and you know, did you get any crazy offers uh, for your season tickets that night? On uh, you know, and what would be the what, what would be the price for you to miss that game? <laughs> uh, there, there, it wouldn't happen. There, no. There, there's, there's no price you can put, put on that. Um, we we uh, had deliberately blocked that game off uh, in advance with our tickets just to make sure yeah. uh, that uh, anyone else who wanted to come with us were, were real fans. Uh, it was a great night. We were joined by uh, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli, uh, Jenna Fabulous as well. They all came in for it and a few other friends of ours. Um, yeah, it was. I, I can't say anything bad about it. The ceremony was excellent, as we all know. Uh, Shorty and Bexa in particular did great jobs. The Sabines were 
classy mm. as always. Uh, the the trophies there was a really nice touch. I love the new look banners. I think that's uh, really important. It was nice to see uh, the scenes go up in the proper colors, but then altering all mm. the other guys' colors as well because it never just quite looked right. Game itself was the marquee show, which was absolutely. He, he literally stole two points. Canucks had no business winning that game, but mm. they did. Um, and I remember my, my kind of overall sense was just looking at the guys that they brought out, and yeah. it was not not really being able to process how it's been a decade since that team. You know, you see these, these characters and who they've become, and you know Roberto Luongo and Kevin Bieksa, and Alex Burrows. Ryan Kessler, the Kessler ovation was, was fantastic. Uh, Yannick Hansen, it was just really cool to see those guys. And then, of course, uh, Naslund and Linden. It is very rare to get that sort of Canucks royalty, uh, Smeal and, uh, and Berkey and everyone out there. It was it was something special and uh, something that I don't think it really uh, kind of hit me until it was all happening. We saw it and we just looked out there on the ice. It's like, wow, you know, this is pretty much my lifetime as a Canucks and yeah. as uh, all, all, all these guys out there. It was, it was something special. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I was watching from home and I may have shed a tear or two. Not going to not gonna lie about that. It was it was quite the night. Like, I, I can't complain about it at all. Um, you know, seeing the 2011 team back together, it was incredibly nostalgic. You know, even though that year ended up in heartbreak, um, it's kind of the peak of, of my fandom anyway. Um and it kind of got me wondering, like, seeing that 2011 team and how, you know, how, you kind of forget how strong they really were back then. And, you know, they could, really could have won that cup. Um, do you think that this new core, do you think they have what it takes to, to do bigger and better things than that 2011 team? I think 100% they do. I mean, I'm also, you know, the eternally optimistic Canucks fan. But the pieces are there in order to win the cup. you got to have strong goaltending you got to have an elite defenseman mm-hmm. and you got to have a couple of lines that can score that's the basics of it and you build off of that and you have to manage that within the, the confines of the salary cap mm-hmm. obviously the Canucks have those things they have a very young core Hughes and Pedersen Besser and Horvat are going to be here a long time and that's a in terms of skill wise in in terms of age the Canucks have never really had a foursome like that that have come up together and being able to build a team around and to kind of tie in with that as well I know people criticize a lot of the signings but at this time in their career it's very important for them to be around guys like Jay Beagle who I have a lot of respect for Mm -hmm. and and Brandon Sutter who's a great leader in the dressing room and I mean I may not like their their salary cap hits but in terms of the players and what they're doing for this team it's, it's it's nice that they've done that because we've seen with teams like Edmonton in the past, they haven't brought in those guys to kind of show them what's happening. Uh, Horvat got to learn from the Sidhames, and I thought that was really quite touching in uh, the speech from Biexa when he said that, you know, we're going to be seeing the effects of the Sidhames for the next 20 years and we'll be passed on and it's never going to die. And I think Bo Horvat is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, they're, they're close there's still a little bit more that needs to happen. I mean, who knows? You could catch lightning in a bottle and have a huge run in the postseason. All you got to do is get in. The West is wide open. Yeah. Um, they played like last night, 100%. Troy Stetcher had one of the best games I've seen him play in a long time. I think he was, you know, after a couple of very rough games out there, he uh, wanted to prove to everyone that he's here to stay and he mm-hmm. wants to stay. And 
if we can get more help from the blue line and if we can figure out how to properly break out of our offensive zone, I think they'll be a real threat moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough to tell at this point. I mean, they, they have all the tools uh, to make it there. Um, and, you know, with the trade, the trade deadline looming, I wanted to kind of jump into you with some things on that. Uh, you're completely right about Troy Stetcher. There's been a lot of rumors around him, maybe him playing his last game. You know, as the Canucks might not be able to afford him around the deadline. Um, so i got to ask you, do you think he's here to stay? Do you think we get rid of him? Um, and what, also, what are your thoughts on the Tyler Toffoli trade? Well, um, it's, it's, geez, it's, it's all part of a bigger picture, both of these moves. Uh, mm-hmm. Troy Stetcher needs to be qualified by the Canucks at 2.35, I believe it is, this offseason, mm-hmm. uh, which they can do. Uh, but it's, it puts a real squeeze on this team. I, I think Troy Stetcher will be here for this year. After that, it's I'm, I'm not sure. Um, as we all know, there's a lot of guys UFA and RFA status that the Canucks have up. You're not going to be able to keep everybody, and I'm not sure if Troy Setcher is going to be in there. However, Troy Setcher is a lot better than Ben Hutton. Ben mm-hmm. Hutton, you can afford to let walk. I wasn't I wasn't upset about that last year. I thought that was the right move. Setcher, I don't think you can. Um, he's other teams would look at what you need to. I think the Canucks could qualify him. Or another team could qualify him and and trade him. Um, I would like to keep him right now. I just I don't know how it happens. I think you can create some space on the blue line with some entry level deals next year. I mean, Yolevi and Rafferty in particular have to be getting some looks. I think Yolevi uh, has really got to make the push for the team next year, yeah. which I said this year as well. Um, but there just wasn't really space. Mm-hmm. Next year there is space. Uh, you have three defensemen. Right now, coming up as free agents at the end of the year, mm-hmm. so there's space. So I, I, I'm not sure with Stetcher. Um, I just I, I don't know where the money is. My gut's telling me that he'll play through the season and then get traded before the draft for a pick. Right. That's kind of what my my guess is. Um, and then with the Toffoli trade, I you know I I like the trade. It was a little bit hard to swallow. I've had some time to digest it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Madden is a great prospect. Um, in terms of Canucks center depth, realistically, he was two or three years away. Just with uh, the space tied up with centers, Canucks have a lot of centers right now. Right. Um, and you're you're parlaying a third round pick into first round pick value. Um, I've always liked Tyler Toffoli, and even though I was preaching that the Canucks don't need another winger, the winger I said if they were to get, there was only two that I really liked. That was Tyler Toffoli and Kyle Palmieri. And the Toffoli move it makes a lot of sense. You're not giving up anything that affects the roster. I'm, I'm sorry, Tim Schaller, but you didn't affect the roster. You're already on waivers for the Kings. Um, and we've, we've seen he's got four points in the two games. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, I think he's a great fit. And when Besser comes back, the Canucks, for the first time in, well, really since that 2012 or so, have two legitimate scoring lines and a third line that could contribute. You are now able to put out Besser, Pedersen, Miller, and you're able to put out a new version of that 70s line, but instead of Jeff Carter, you've got Bo Horvat, who's playing the best he's ever played right now. Mm-hmm. And then it opens up a third line with Gaudet, Vertanen, and maybe uh, Levo or Roussel or, geez, whoever on the, on the wing there. Um, it's, a, it's exciting. I, I, I like that the management group said, you know what, we're going to reward this team for their hard work. Mm-hmm. They've played well this season. They need some help down the stretch here with Brock out. We're going to help this team, and we're going to bring in a guy 
who's a good character guy, and we've already seen that with Chipotle. If you've seen the, the interviews with him, he's a good character guy. He has a connection in the room, and it seems like from what we've seen and heard so far, he's a very easy fit in, in addition to it, and the team is going to play harder for that when they, they know that management is backing them up as well. So it sucks to lose Madden. It really sucks to lose that second-round pick. I think the Canucks are going to do something to try and recoup some picks in yeah. this draft, and they have ways to do that. Um, but that's really the cost of it. You have to give up Tyler Madden to do it. Um, it sucks, but the Canucks have a lot of forwards who are getting close to being ready. Your blue chippers didn't get traded as well, and uh, I, I can live with the trade. Yeah, I, I personally I really like the trade. Uh, he's he's gelled instantly. Um, he and we we know he's going to have chemistry when he plays with Pearson. He's shown instant chemistry on that top line with Miller and Petey. Um, I think it's a home run trade in my opinion. Uh, and even if we don't re-sign him, it's honestly, like you said, it's kind of like they had to do something to reward this team. They've, they've really done a lot to push for the playoffs. And at this point, Benning has to see, you know, his plan, uh, you know, all the way through. And so for him yeah. to kind of just back out last second, it just, it, it, it really wouldn't make any sense. Um, and, and I will also say, I think the Canucks are going to find a way to sign to Foley. I'm not exactly sure how right now, but mm-hmm. I just feel like, they, this is part of their vision is to sign to Foley and, and they have the money to do it and I know that there's, there's players you can't keep everybody right now mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just I think that to Foley is going to sign in Vancouver I just I just have that feeling right now yeah it's a funny feeling like uh, we're, we're talking about Troy Stetcher and you know he's probably going to be around 3 million 3 million plus when his contract's up for uh, renegotiation but uh, you know for some reason the Canucks are sounding like they're un, unwilling to sign him for that much money. But then we're bringing in an even more expensive player, and we're already talking about how he must stay. And uh, that kind of leads me into my next part here. Uh, listening to your guys' podcast, you've introduced uh, your chirping segment as uh, recently. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to jump onto your Twitter and kind of read some of your tweets out and uh, see what your thoughts on them, if you could elaborate. Uh, starting with this one, it's uh, one of your last tweets. Uh, starting to think more and more that the Canucks are going to do whatever they can to keep Toffoli. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't agree with you. And uh, what are your thoughts on it and why? And yeah, let's hear let's hear your take. I think Foley is exactly kind of what this team has needed in terms of, uh, of a winger. Uh, I think with the cap going up in the next couple of years, there's going to be a little bit more room to get a guy at a reasonable hit. I think you can get to Foley in the five to five and a half per, um, which, which would work. It would also, though, chew up their last... Kind of protected forward slot for Seattle, and mm-hmm. I think they're they're willing to do that and invest that on a guy like Tolly. It just feels to me like there's a little bit of Miller Part Two in this trade, right. um, and I I just think that you get a guy like this. I think Tolly is really going to have a, a great stretch run here, and if he does, I think there's there's going to be a real push to keep him. Um, I, I I think the only way Really, that's going to happen is if Canucks figure out a way to move Berchi and or Erickson. I know there's a ton of speculation about mm-hmm. Erickson and how they could demote him. Maybe we can go out with Zach Bogosian with mm-hmm. Erickson. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's no proof to any of that. But who knows? Maybe there's something there. Um, I think it's really key with that because if you do sign Capoli, right now it pretty much pushes Chris Tanev or Markstrom out the door. And both those guys are incredibly important. To, to the team as well. Um, if you're losing Tanev and Stetcher now, that's, uh, that's a lot of holes in the blue line, and the blue line, in my opinion, is where you need the most work. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Canucks gave up their assets 
with the intent of trying to keep Toffoli, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. If they can get him at a cap hit anywhere near J.T. Miller, right. in term near J.T. Miller, I think it's a, it's a fantastic move if they can do it. But again, uh, it's really contingent on them clearing up some of this cap space, which they just haven't quite been able to do yet. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Like, and I love that you compare it to kind of like a, a B, like a like a 1B kind of trade to the Miller trade in, in terms of, you know, how much, you know, how much of an impact he's made on this team kind of right away. Uh, one of the other tweets, you know, is a career high in goals and points for Miller, like, you know, and he's only going to keep, uh, keep scoring and keep adding to that. So Benning's definitely getting the, you know, getting a lot of worth out of what he's trading for. Um, which brings me to one of my final questions for you. Like he's done a great job bringing in playoff experience in the top six. Um, do you think that this is the year to go all in? I mean, like the West is wide open. Um, what's your prediction on where the Canucks are going to finish? And do you think that they have a chance to, I don't know, maybe make it to the Western final this year? They, they have as much chance as anyone who gets in. Uh, mm-hmm. When you get into the playoffs, we've, we've seen in previous years, the ranking system, it doesn't mean anything, especially when you have all these teams hovered together by a point or two. You think, oh, we finished two points higher than another team, so we're the, the favorite. You look at games, and what team loses a couple games in a shootout, and then or turns those around and wins games. It, they have the same amount of point totals, so there's such a parity. All you got to do is get in. I think the most important thing right now for the Canucks and what they're looking at is, is again with player development. They want these young guys to get into the playoffs and see what it's like. Horvat mm-hmm. hasn't been there since his rookie year. Uh, we know a lot of core of the young guys have never been there. I think they want to get in the playoffs. Um, to say that they that they have to push and go all in, it's it's not even necessarily that. They, they're strengthening their position. They're making it so that if they get in, they're going to be in a good position to win. Um, it's it's also trying to take advantage of those entry-level deals, uh, which is what the Chicago Blackhawks were able to successfully do. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's, it's not that they have to win, but I think they have to get into the playoffs and they have to see what that's like. I think that's really important this year. And if people are, you know, I know there's some people who say, oh, well, they shouldn't give all that up for a first-round exit. It's like, come on, guys. Like, we, we, we've got to get into the playoffs here eventually. We, I, I want to see the playoffs. And I, I don't like watching draft lottery positions every year. This is really important to the team moving forward, even if we do lose in the first round. So uh, on the same note, though, they, they could go all the way to the Western Finals. They have as much a shot as anybody if you get in. If you play like you did against Boston last night, you, you've got a shot. Yeah, they they had a great game against Boston. I think, I think personally, they've shown that they have what it takes, and uh, I I don't blame Benning for making some moves. Uh, in my opinion, the West is wide open. But um, yeah, I think that pretty much will wrap it up for uh, me and you on this uh, first episode of the Orca Pod. Uh, just want to kind of give you the floor if you have anything you want to talk about with your podcast, what you're up to. Uh, yeah, hit it, man. Yeah, we're just uh, at the moment just trying to uh, figure out ways to keep tweaking the show and engage with the Canucks fan base as much as possible. That's really uh, what our goal is, is to create a voice and give people a platform if they got things to say and uh, really just embrace uh, all the fans out there. I'm going to keep recording episodes every week, uh, releasing them on Tuesday or Wednesdays. we got a whole bunch of great guests coming up on the show over the next four or five weeks all lined up uh, for this stretch run to the playoffs so it's going to be a lot of fun 
All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been fantastic. Uh, enjoy the next 21 games, and hopefully uh, I'll see you in Vancouver, and the, we'll, uh, we'll be in the playoffs. Hell yeah, man. We'll see you then. All right. Have a good one, Pete. Yeah, you too. All right, guys. It is now time to introduce my second guest for the Orca Pod. A lot of you guys know him in the Canucks community as Canuck Clay. I'm with Clay Emo. How's it going, man? I am great, Braden. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, I know you're a big-time Canucks fan, um, and you're, you're, a, you're a king of the haiku. Uh, so... I, I try, I try. And before we get started, congratulations to you on this new venture, man. I'm excited for you. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's it's been fun doing the PP1 podcast with my friends, uh, Ted and Ryan. It was really great having you on there. Uh, you know, it boosted our, uh, our viewmanship a little bit, uh, and... Um, oh. You know, it's a good time over there, and uh, but this is just kind of a, a second project for me. The PP1 podcast isn't going anywhere. We're definitely going to be, you know, still doing our thing. But I just kind of wanted to get my hands in on the editing side a little bit and just kind of see what I can do on, on my own. And I want to meet a lot of Canucks fans, and that's kind of something I've learned in the in the last year. Or so it's just like how open like the Twitter world has been and stuff. Like guys like you, guys like you know Faber and Quads, and just kind of the whole community yeah. in general. Just, the list the list goes on and on and. So I've been ready for the Canuck awesome. way and meeting people. So yeah, it's just excited way to get my my podcast out there. So yeah, I'm honored <laughs> to be part of episode number one, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. It's uh, it's good to have you here. And uh, yeah, so obviously it was a great game uh, last night, uh, a nine three slaughter of the Boston Bruins. Um, I'm sure you liked it just as much as I did. Uh, oh, but, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought I would uh, start this off with a haiku of my own about that game. And uh, maybe, maybe you can give me a grade on it or something like that. <laughs> All right, uh, here it goes. Gordy Howe hat trick. Tyler Toffoli scores twice. Oh, it feels so nice. Oh, I got to give you an A plus on that one. Man. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks, the first man. thing I looked for, Braden, I looked for the proper number of syllables, and that nailed it at 17 in the yep. form of 575. You know, close because feel. Some would say that's a that's a two. That's a one syllable, right? That's a two. What did you have it as? Which one there? Sorry. The, the la- your last line. Oh, it feels so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think uh, it was good, and I always look for the fact that you include um, storylines. So you have obviously Toffoli in there as well. So overall, <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was outstanding. Uh, a yeah. plus. A plus. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so yeah, you're uh, you're a season ticket holder. Uh, you're a well-known face around, you know, a Canucks community. Uh, you're a former guest of the PP1 podcast, big-time YouTuber, parody song creator, the haiku king himself, uh, a slightly above-average bowler, as I assume, and the most importantly, well, you. you're a family man. Uh, how do you do it all? What's the secret? Yeah, well, thank you. Honestly, um, I never like to tell people I'm busy, Braden, because I think when people say that they're busy, often it's a function of time, poor time management, quite frankly. Um, Mm. So I'm not here to judge anyone else, but I do know I have a lot going on, but a lot of... A lot of people have a lot going on, but um, it, I think it helps that uh, my wife's pretty awesome. I always joke around on Twitter about my lovely wife, Gail, but she really allows me to do a lot of the things I love to do, both creatively and, you know, uh, as long as I'm pulling up, uh, you know, doing my share around the house. Our three kids are older now, and they're 18, 12, 18, 16, and 12, so it's not like they're, you know, three kids under 10 years old anymore, so yeah. because they are more independent, I am also more independent when it comes to creative process as well. Yeah, but, you know, between... Uh, work and family and, and church and, and bowling and Canucks and I'm studying for a master. There's a lot going on, but uh, 
I enjoy it and I, um, I try and keep my energy up and I, I make sure that I'm focused and it works out really well. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I love that you mentioned how supportive uh, your whole family is with everything. Um, I've been, I've had a ton of support myself from uh, my girlfriend. She, she kind of really pushed me to get this all going. I can say that. So, oh, awesome. yeah. Um, oh, she's a big time Canucks fan. She's really come a long way. Actually, uh, just okay, been together a, over a year and a half now. So, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's. I wanted to jump in and to ask you about the uh, the GLCPC, uh, your Good Looking Canucks Positivity Club. Uh, I checked it out on your Twitter, and it looks like the real deal. Uh, your interview was pretty official there. Uh, so uh, how'd that all shake down? What's going on there? Is that the interview with CBC Gloria Makarenko? Yeah, your uh, it's your yeah, pinned tweet yeah. on your your profile there. Yeah. So this GLCPC is yeah you you know it man, and you're you're a lifelong member. It stands for the Good Looking. Canucks Positivity Club, and two years ago on Twitter, I was joking around with um, another guy on Twitter. He actually makes a pretty—he's a good YouTuber. His name's uh, Brett Lee, um, from here, living in Toronto, doing school. He's Maroki on Defense is his Twitter handle, and basically, he—he uh, he did a vlog, and I was doing a vlog, and we both we were joking about being good looking and being positive. I said, "Wait a sec, why don't we we have this club, the Good Looking Canucks Positivity Club?" So. <laughs> It started yeah. as a joke, but now it, there's no like there's no membership fee. There's no application form. It's self-admitting. Obviously, if I'm the chairperson, if I'm the founder, the, the standards aren't really high for the good-looking part. But I do say you have to be good-looking in your own mind, and you have to be positive. And it was a response, Braden. To, you know, there's yeah. so much negativity. There's so much infighting. There's so much I get the last word. I need the last word. I, I People ask me how I put up with it. I don't bother. Like I, I, I'm very conflict-averse, so I just say, hey, um, I'm not judging. If you think you're good looking and you're a positive Cubs fan, then you are part of the GLCPC. And now I use the hashtag when we're at games. People will ask if, if there's a meetup of the GLCPC. It's mm-hmm. just a fun little thing that I love to I love to play up because I think, especially this season, and who knows what happens tomorrow and going forward for the next two months, it's a great time to be positive and optimistic around this team. Yeah, exactly. More like kind of like the more positive you're going to be, the more attractive you become to to the Cubs community in general and just people in general. I think so, and it's not, you know, it's funny, I got one funny, uh, and of course, uh, I'm sure you, you'll get this too with your podcasting, or with, anytime you put yourself out there publicly, creatively, whether it's Twitter, or YouTube, or parody songs, whatever it is, you're obviously going to get some people that like that, and a lot of people that will come at you, right, for whatever reason. For so sure. One, one, person that, one person actually said uh, on Reddit, which I should never go to again, but I, <laughs> I saw him say something like, oh, Clay's just doing this to get in with the club, or to form sponsorships and partnerships, and I just kind of laughed it off, like, I don't respond, I don't get upset. It just like um, the guy doesn't know me, so he can say what he wants. But yeah. I, I know my own intentions, and, and they're all good. No, for sure. The uh, the Twitter world it can be a pretty vicious place. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 great to have people out like you out there being so positive, man. I for years I've been I've been following your stuff, and it's it's really awesome. I love it all. Um, but on a different note, man, uh, pretty crazy uh, th- uh, string of events in the NHL last night. Uh, did you see the? Hurricanes game against the Leafs in an emergency goaltending situation? I did, and if I got this right, he actually works, he's employed by the Maple Leafs organization, is that correct? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He, he played for the, he worked for the Marlies or something like that. He's the Zamboni driver. Uh, David Ar- yeah. David Aris is his name, and he's 42 years old. He's obviously pretty connected in like the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, world over there to uh, be on that emergency list. And I know you're yeah. connected with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, does this oh, maybe I don't, in... I don't like where this is going. Yeah. Does this maybe inspire you to uh, maybe somehow try to get on an emergency list for the Vancouver Canucks? 
<laughs> Do you think maybe one day Yoma get a chance to lace up the skates? <laughs> well, Brayden, you know, now I think about this. I'm, he's 42, I'm 45, so we're about the same age. Yeah. He's got no hair. I have very little hair, so that's about close. Um, I think the only emergency list though I'd be on would maybe to be the backup organist, I think, instead of a, <laughs> instead of a goalie or whatever, which is, which is kind of be cool, actually. I, I was able to sit with Mike Kenny, the organist, once and yeah. for a game, and it just a marvel what he does. But truly, mm-hmm. um, what, a, what a story for him. And uh, I do play roller hockey. I'm a forward, but I... That's only a name. Basically, I park my big button from the net, and yeah. I, I stop. Actually, I might be a good goalie because I seem to stop a lot of pucks that are directed <laughs> at the net. Even though they're from my own team. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But it was man. a cool story. It was an amazing story, and just to see the the footage from the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter of the most spraying water bottle on him, like water on him when he walked in. It was pretty cool. That's great. Um, yeah, just some fun questions there to kind of start things off. But uh, we should talk about the actual Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the current team and the old team. I know you're a season ticket holder. Uh, I would assume you wouldn't uh, wouldn't have sold those tickets to Sedin night, would you? No, actually, that's and it happened on the Wednesday night. And I think you know that's the one night of the week where I usually don't go to games for sure because it's yeah. my church night. But I talked to my pastor right in September, right when the schedule came out, and I said, "Hey, this is the one Wednesday that I'm missing," and he he was cool with it. And yeah, what, a, <laughs> what an amazing thing! Everything from BX uh, to how well produce that tribute was to obviously seeing them and hearing them and of course the win that night it was a really really memorable night for sure what a crazy game hey like i i was saying on my other podcast and you know my buddies were kind of making fun of me for it but uh i was joking around that uh the sedin week itself was placed in february to kind of help push the canucks through a, a tough month of hockey like you know they're usually you know they're usually uh, kind of falling off in February, but uh, this year they're right in the thick of it, and uh, they're fighting for a playoff spot. And uh, you know, so that's really good. sorry, go yeah, ahead. That's a great po- yeah, that's a great point about the scheduling actually of it because you're right. It's usually last few years, as you know, Brandon, we haven't these games. This is kind of where we fall out of the the race sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I actually thought they were going to do it on yesterday's game, February twenty second, because that would be two twenty two, right? And against Boston, right. I know. And I know there's on a Saturday night, right? How like Hockey Night Canada is supposed to Wednesday, although I'm sure they did fine in the ratings. But I, I kept hearing things that the Canucks and, and the Sedins actually worked on this game and they picked Chicago because out of all the rivals, that was the one they had the most storied rivalry with, I guess, which makes a lot of sense. Too. Oh, definitely. I think the, yeah. the rivalry against Chicago goes in, you know, with the victory at the end of it all. Yes. Whereas with Boston. But imagine you know. if it was last night, man. Imagine it was last night. Oh, my night. God. It would have been insane. <laughs> what a crazy night. Um, oh, it was good. But it. it I gotta ask you. Uh, I was a huge fan of Ryan Kessler uh, in his day. Still one of my favorite Canucks of all time. Uh, he got yeah. a st- he got a big standing ovation that night. And uh, how'd you feel about him being in in uh, back in Vancouver? Well, great question. Uh, for me, I was neutral. I did not jump on this whole uh, Ryan Kessler redemption tour. I thought he was fine when he was here. Like he was obviously a warrior, really good player, all those things. Uh, when he left, it did leave a bitter taste in my mouth. But I didn't harbor much resentment Braden over over the years mm-hmm. but I, I did find like I thought he was honest when he said and genuine when he and vulnerable when he said I'm actually worried that the fans are going to boo me I think that was I think that was honest but I do think it's slightly maybe not a fault but it slightly overshadowed the Sedins coming into Wednesday now on Wednesday itself it was fine obviously we, we cheered him Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, and then that was kind of all he did, and, and that was that's, that's the way it should have been, right? So when I was there at the game, um, I didn't cheer, I didn't scream my head off for him, I didn't boo him. Certainly, I gave him the clap, like like I did for everyone else. Yeah. And and, and it was fine. So overall, I, I was neutral with it. I, I wasn't maybe as, as excited as maybe some Kessler fans were. But mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't um, gonna boo him that night either. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get down to the game, but I heard a rumor that it could have actually possibly been the time where you could have seen the most Kessler jerseys you've ever seen in that building. Is that is that true? <laughs> that, I saw a few for sure. I saw a few, but then you, you saw everything, right? Everyone wanted to wear something, whatever they yeah. had, whether it was the Sabines or Kessler. So um, I, I would not refute that. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, nice. Uh, obviously, there's probably a lot of Sabine jerseys out there too. I know. I know. <laughs> me and me, me and my brother were sitting on the couch. I. I woke up and I texted him. I said, "You got to put on Henrik, man. I'm wearing Daniel." So it's funny. I even I even made him sit in the middle and I had to sit on the left. <laughs> we watched the game. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, it was awesome. But uh, yeah, anyway, that I was kind of wondering with uh, Bo Horvat and how he's been playing and talking about Ryan Kessler. Uh, you know, we're playing against the the big bad Bruins. Uh, we need to send a message. Uh, Pedersen took a late hit against them the last game. Uh, Horvat answers the bell. He has, in my opinion, one of his best games of the season. He ends it with a Gordie Howe hat trick. Um, do you think Horvat is at the peak of his game, or do you think uh, he could even maybe step it up another notch and maybe be the next Ryan Kessler, Selkie nominated type player for the Vancouver Canucks? That is a great question. I definitely think um, I think that was his best game in a while, and I think Travis Green even said so, right? Like mm-hmm. he had a he had a goal. They gave him that late assist. They gave it to him after the game, so he actually ended up with two points. He had the goal and assist, seven penalty minutes because of that fight, five shots on goal. I'm just reading it out, and then and that's only in 14 minutes of ice time, probably because he was off for for five uh, five of those minutes and 83. percent You know, I guess that's five out of six face mm-hmm. off wins. So obviously, a very strong game. I think. I think in the big picture, Braden, I think we still have uh, the best still yet to come. I think when he's engaged, when he's focused, and when he doesn't put so much pressure on himself, you know how he, he makes those awesome like outside-in moves, but sometimes he kind of does try tries to create too much on his own, mm-hmm. uh, rushing to the net. I think if he learns to trust his linemates, and maybe that happens when he gets to Foley on his line instead of uh, uh, Nerison, if you know what I mean. Right. I, I just think he, I think he's got a lot of... He still has room to develop. Yes, he's you know he's 24 or whatever he is now, so maybe he's going to hit his, his prime in his next couple of years. I don't know if he'll ever be the same type of player as Ryan Kessler in, in that he won't be as nasty, he won't be mm-hmm. as aggressive. And I would dare say he might not be as defensively um, you know, as skilled as, as Kessler was, but maybe he'll be even more offensively and he, he might even be a better leader. So I think... I think he can be as effective as Kessler, but maybe in a different way. Like, I, I don't picture Bo to win a Selkie trophy, no. but I do picture him to, to lead this team um, and lead it in his own way through through his, uh, you know, leadership and his physical play and willing to scrap and, and his scoring ability. So all those things. So, uh, yeah, he's good. Uh, Kessler was good. Um, I just think they're, they're two different types of players. Yeah, I guess they are a little different, uh, and that's that's totally fine. Um I wanted to jump into uh, some conversation with you. Uh, we know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow is trade deadline day. Um, and obviously the Vancouver Canucks have just gone out and they've acquired Tyler Toffoli as a replacement for the injured Brock Besser, the injured Michael Furland. What are your thoughts on the deal? Do you like what you see? And do you see uh, Benning possibly re-signing Tyler Toffoli? Yeah, good question. I think the, the, Foley, the Toffoli deal, I think, was fine. You, all, you have to give up something good to get something good. And I know a lot of people were worried that that was a lot. That was Tyler Madden. You know, he could be a third-line center or a third-line winger, you know. And I took a lot of the – I try to see things from 
from that perspective and not because you know i'm just you know i'm a homer or i'm a positive fan or whatever but yeah. you got to look at what they see you have to give up something so you give up tyler madden you might think that you have got it locked in as your third line center for years to come so maybe that's why madden becomes a bit extendable maybe uh yes and the whole thing of giving up quality to get quality maybe they have a really good read on that they're going to resign to foley i don't know but we've seen what he can do it's only been two games but he's got four points he an awesome game last night both times in the slot he was patient and one time he had a guy breathing down his neck another time he didn't and he he picked a corner right and he was you saw his skill yesterday so uh for the short term i think this is good uh i really think it's good obviously exactly what you said replacing Besser. i think if Besser gets back you know before the end of the regular season wow then we have a stacked top six it's really really good and are we able to resign him i would hope so but i, I know we're going to talk about this you add him to the list of guys that we have to resign. Now there's UFAs or RFAs, and uh, I was doing some of the math, and you add to Foley's contract in without raises. If you were to sign everyone at the same amount they're making this year, you're looking at 22, 23 million bucks. Yeah. And we know we don't have 22, 23 million bucks. We have, Uh-oh. I think, 18 is the number. Yeah, that's floating around. So uh, to answer the short question, though, I, I did like the trade. I think it gives the and it rewards the Canucks and the coaching staff for this season. And that's what your bidding said. You guys have worked hard. We're going to push. And this year, Braden, the, the specific division is as wide open as any, mm. as, as any year. Any team can come out of there. You know, Vegas is the one that scares me the most. But right. you, if you're going to avoid Vegas in the first round and then and then playing tough in the second round, the Canucks can conceivably, realistically, get to the third round. And then who knows what happens from there. Yeah, it's pretty much my next question for you. Um, yeah. The, the, they're wide open right now. Um, so that pretty much, that's why I kind of support what Benning's been doing. And it makes me believe yeah. he might not even be done yet. Um, it appears that he's got the right idea of pushing fast forward on the rebuild, um, and he's he's got he's bringing in guys that are making an immediate impact and producing a lot of uh, good pieces with a playoff experience that, that can that can be placed around um, you know our core players. So, do you think uh, Benning's in the right state of mind going all in? Do you think uh, do you think he's not done? I do. Be, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I think he's in the right state of mind, and I don't think he's done, but I hope it's not too crazy. But the first part of that, um, I truly think that Pedersen last year and Quinn Hughes this, this season, they've, I think they've essentially sped up the rebuild by one or two years, mm-hmm. right? You know, we, we couldn't have anticipated how good they were going to be. But then if you look at it, Braden, not just at this trade deadline, but you look at the past year, look at who we brought in. We brought in Tanner Pearson for... For Eric Branson, what a trade that's what's up Crazy to me. Trade. Josh Lee, yeah, Josh Liebel, who was, who was better than expected. And then you look at uh, Ferland didn't work out yet, but you still have hopes for him. Mm-hmm. But then guys like Myers and guys like JT Miller, maybe mm-hmm. arguably our MVP or MVP of the season. All these guys, four or five guys that have playoff experience, that's huge. And and I so I, I don't think we just look at Tyler Chavoy and say, oh man, that's that's all we're gonna do. Is that gonna make a difference? No, you look at what Benny has done over the past year as a whole, and I think it sets us up really well. Now, the second part is, is he done? You know, we've been hearing about Troy Stetcher the past two or three weeks, and uh, he's one of the RFAs that I know we're going to talk about. You know, so there's so... I, I don't know. I love Troy Stetcher, not just because he's from Richmond. I would mm-hmm. dare say... You, I, I would build an argument for bringing Stetcher in over Tanev, but Tanev's been a warrior. He's been healthy all season, so it's really tough to say, and it's not just us, right? There's 29 other teams that mm-hmm. may want this guy or not want this guy so there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes i'm not excusing it i'm not saying fans shouldn't be able to express their opinion but i think there's simply as always a lot more going on than we know and i'm sure those guys are going to be up all night trying to figure out what makes sense for the team i, I wouldn't mind an upgrade on d i still think they're a little bit thin or 
another score, but I, I don't think they need toughness. Like they showed last night that with when fighting that mm-hmm. that guys like Horvath and they have enough grit. I think throughout the season, throughout the lineup, I would rather them go for more scoring as opposed to more grit. But so that means Wayne Simmons. That doesn't appeal to me as much. I don't know. Does Wayne Simmons appeal to you right now? No, honestly, that 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 doesn't make any sense to me at all and uh i'm glad to hear on twitter that apparently it's just not going to work financially for vancouver um but what i am hearing on twitter a lot today uh that the tyson berry rumors have heated up tremendously uh lots of rumors there uh, and i didn't even realize that you know toronto's only actually paying two and a half million uh or 2.75 million for him so that actually kind of changed my thoughts on the situation um i don't know if you've been paying attention to the rumors much i've heard I've heard they want Stetcher, maybe a first-round pick, but we want to try to get offload some cash the way back to maybe right. Sven Berchi, or I'm also hearing Brandon Sutter. Well, well, I didn't know actually that that I guess Colorado then um, retained a lot or paying almost half his salary then. Is yeah, I guess they're paying be, right? they're paying fifty percent. So he was five okay. and a, he was five and a half, I believe. So right. drops him down to so two. Yeah, then the money gets closer. If it was a Stetcher and a piece for Barry, then now you're looking at two point three versus two point seven. That that makes a lot more sense because I was kind of looking at the numbers. I said, this doesn't make yeah. sense if we if we go for Barry. But I do know that they were talking about this trade way back in at the at the um, at the draft last season because I saw Elliot Friedman at Rogers Arena and yeah. I said, you know, what have you been hearing? And he said that there was a trade that had Stetcher going for Barry when Barry's for Colorado way back then. Yeah, I heard and it was. It, uh, yeah, I heard Stetcher for Tannen and a first or something crazy. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. Who knows? That's wow. a lot that's a so, lot to give up, but uh anyway, so maybe it's good that, that didn't happen. But so obviously the Cucks um are, have been interested in Barry for more than a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you're right. I I've been seeing that I I think it's Patrick Johnson and Sat and a bunch of guys were saying that uh that could happen as well. You know, he hasn't worked out in Toronto and you never want he's twenty seven, twenty eight years old now, so he's not like super young, but he has offensive ability. He's had a sixty point season I think before. So is it that he just doesn't fit into Toronto system, or is it this is the player he who he is now, and and would he fit with uh, Quinn Hughes or someone yeah. else? So uh, it's fascinating, man. Like, what about you? If, yes or no? Do you want Tyson Berry on this team? I I'm intrigued by it, but I don't think he's yeah. the proper fit. I mean, if you want to try yeah. to go, if you want to go, if the price is right, like why not? You're not giving up too much, but I don't really see a situation where we're not giving up something that really works. And Tyson Berry, like, I mean, he's great, but. Quinn Hughes is better, and they're pretty similar players. Uh, Barry is one of those guys who puts up a lot of points on a power play unit, and he's not going to get much time on the first unit. He's not going to get any on the first unit with with the way we like to do four forwards and a defenseman, right? So I think playing him on a second unit, you're not really getting his full value. So, I mean, I don't really think he's the perfect fit personally, but if they're going to go for it and get the right price, I'm not going to argue it too much. Yeah, it's so crazy because I'm just looking at his stats right now before the season, 59, 57, 38, 49, 53. So he's a, mm-hmm. this guy's a 50-point defenseman, and those guys are obviously hard to come by. But you're right. Yeah, yeah, he would have to play a different role here, and then, yes, a role would, that would probably not let him get 50 points. Yeah, I mean, here. if he can produce a five-on-five, like an Edler, yeah. like a top four of Edler and Barry and then Tanev and Hughes, that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty nice pairing. Like, that's a pretty good top four. Um, yes. But, yeah, I guess I guess time's gonna tell. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. If, yeah, that's a good point about you know Sutter and then Berchi and there's 
Yeah, there's a there's a lot of money for sure locked up in a lot of guys that maybe you'd argue aren't that effective. I know a lot of people like to complain about the Beagle one as well, but uh, that's I don't know. That's what they got to work with. Yeah, I got another question here for you. Um, probably pretty wrap it up pretty quickly here. Um, I've been thinking pretty hard this year about who this who's the who the real t- team MVP is, and it has a lot to do with like why I think it's a good time for us to be pushing for the cup and why I support what Benning's doing. Um, yeah. As good as Elias Patterson is, he's the, he's the face of the franchise. But you have players at each position that are, in my opinion, more valuable right now. Um, Jacob Markstrom's having a Vesna caliber year. Uh, Quinn Hughes has been absolutely phenomenal on defense, and even uh, JT Miller is arguably putting up. You know, he's putting up more points than Patterson, and uh, he looks like an all-around better player at this moment in time, in my opinion. Uh, do you agree with that? And do you think that's good cause to be going for it? Yeah, I agree that it is a four-horse race now. I think the first half of the season, it was Jacob Markstrom, hands down, right? He was stealing games left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you see, uh, I'll talk about both guys really quick. Quinn Hughes, you know, as you know, I've been saying that. Um, I've, I I do think if he wins this rookie scoring race yeah. over Kale McCarr, I do think Quinn Hughes should win the Calder Trophy because – yeah, you might say, well, Kale McCarr has got a, a better points per game, but it's very close, actually. It's, eight point, it's 0.85 now to 0.82, so that's minimal. And mm-hmm. I think a voter will say, well, could he played 81 out of 82 games? That shows durability. That shows consistency. And he won the rookie scoring race. So yeah. uh, that, that's my vote for Quinn Hughes, although I, I don't get a vote. I don't think you do either. But you know, <laughs> our votes could be 2-0 for us. But, yeah. but I think, yeah, Quinn you could argue Quinn Hughes, you know, on the back end, he's transformed our, our power play and our blue line. But your JT Miller, he's, he's so good. He's so tenacious. He wins every battle. And the one thing I really appreciate about him, too, is he breaks up. I, I notice this live more than when I watch on TV. But he breaks up so many plays in the neutral zone. When a team's trying to break out or get a mm-hmm. puck through the neutral zone, he's so good with the stick that he really disrupts play a lot. So, uh, of course, you know, two peas in a pod, Miller and Pedersen have played together the entire season and it makes sense that they're they're one and two in scoring on the team but yeah i could if you had to pick a forward i would argue that um i would pick miller over Pedersen as an mvp but i still think that markstrom has been in the big picture the the team's most valuable player you take him out and we're nowhere close to where we are so i would still vote for markstrom right now yeah markstrom has been he's been incredible uh, a couple two-pad yeah. stacks that have just dropped my <laughs> jaw to the floor. Uh, what are your thoughts on Markstrom? Is he a must-re-sign, or what do you think here? Yeah, that's such a, that's such a good question. I, I know, know, right? I've talked to, yeah, I've talked a lot of my vlogs about how um, the Canucks have had, and they probably still have, really high hopes for Demko. But now, they were saying that like three years ago. Now, the Seattle expansion draft is one year away, and... There, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot to think about now, right? Uh, given both of their contract situations, mm-hmm. is Markstrom a must resign? I, I think he is, but I also, I also think there's going to be a, a point, uh, whether money or term or a combination of both, as usually are, where the Canucks are going to make a really tough decision, and I, I could see them walking away from it if they are nowhere close. But they, Benning says they're going to talk about it at the end of the season, so not to distract from the playoff run, but um, is he a must-resign? Uh, pretty close to it, but um, there's a small part of me that, I'm not hoping for this, that says they could end up walking away from it if if the negotiations don't go well. But who knows that, you know, we yeah. we got a few few months to figure that out. What do you think? 
Well, I've heard I've heard that they're, Markstrom wants more term than the Canucks are willing to give. Um, right. So I've heard, he, you know, and fair to him, like he's 30 years old. He's going to be 30 years old. Might as well get a six-year yeah. contract, but that just doesn't work for the Canucks. Um, so if he if we have to drop his years, then we might have to raise like the annual right. the annual value. But on top of that, if he's dropping his his term, he probably wants to be protected from the expansion for Seattle. So it's a, it's an extremely right. sticky situation, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the one trying to figure it out because I think any way you do it, there's going to be some angry Canucks fans, and, and I just feel for. I hope Benning gets it figured out, man. <laughs> No, no, it's true, and and I say right now the majority of Canucks fans are saying, well, look at Markstrom, he's the MVP. We got to resign him. But I, I have talked to people that that understand hockey and they get it too. They say, no, you give him an offer, and if he doesn't take it, you say see ya, right? And so that's mm-hmm. a little harsh, but um, well, there's only so much you can do, right? Yep, no, I agree, I agree. All right, Manuel, I'll just uh, leave you with one final question here, just uh, something fun. Uh, Maybe give us your favorite player from when uh, you first started watching the Vancouver Canucks, and you know who's been your favorite player to watch this year. Great question. Um, when I first started watching, uh, it was the days. Uh, now, but how old are you? I'll be twenty-seven next month. Okay. Yeah. Also, not to be your dad. So as, <laughs> as I mentioned, I I am forty-five, and when I came in, there was a guy named Patrick Sundstrom. Yeah. And he was amazing for the Canucks, and he was actually. My favorite player uh, when I first started watching the team. Then I went through the Lyndon Beer years. I like both of them. Really like Luongo for for uh, the time he was here. Yeah, and I sure. really wanted the, the team to win. And that was even before he got good with social media. That was when he was kind of more <laughs> of a, 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 a prickly personality or whatever, right? But yeah. then, right now, so I say Sandstrom, it evolved to like Bure and then a bit of Nasland. And I went to uh, Luongo. And then right now, uh, I, I do like Bull Horvat as my favorite player. I love Pedersen and Bertan and Hughes, of course, all Besser, all those guys. But I, I've always liked Bull. Uh, I think you know the story that my son Sean caddied for him a yeah. few years ago yeah, at yeah. a tournament. And and ever since then, four years ago, I, I always thought he's a class act. He always make, takes the time to talk to me. He was next door neighbors to my my family friend. All these things. And yeah. I and I think you know I also I feel like I'm name dropping, but what am I dropping? Basically, that uh, I met his dad a couple of weeks ago at a game, and that was really yeah, cool I saw too. That. So yeah, yeah, and it was funny. This sounds so shawty, but he actually stopped me, recognized me, and I asked him, "How did you know me, Tim?" And he goes, "I watch your vlogs." So it's kind of <laughs> cool to, to hear that from from our captain's dad. So um, I, I do like Horvat, and I think uh, you know, hopefully, he becomes he's a Canuck for life because I just think he brings a lot of intangibles that we talked about that you're not going to get from a lot of other players. Oh, that's an awesome response, man. I, I you bring up the fact that. Uh... You know, Bo's dad pointed like pointed you out and got got a picture with you. Yeah. I, I saw that on Twitter. I thought that was the coolest thing, and I think that Thanks, shows man. that you've made it. You know, in the Canucks community, and you know, just like yeah, just like you said, man, like Bo Horvat, you're a class act when it comes to being a fan of Vancouver. So I just want to thank you for Thanks, coming on this show and helping me launch it. Uh, I know you're gonna help boost uh, some viewership for me, so I really appreciate oh, you coming here, and it's been a great conversation, man. All right, great, and good luck. And guess what? Uh, I'm not. Actually, happened in uh, Kelowna this weekend. Oh no way! So I will. Uh, we'll talk about this. What you uh, stop the hit record button or stop button? But yeah, but let's let's maybe we have a chance to get together this weekend. But let, let's talk about that off air. Oh, wicked man! I'll have to rally the uh, PP One guys together, and we'll uh, <laughs> yeah. you know we'll have ourselves a good time. All right, there we go. Well, good luck with everything. Thanks for having me on. And I really appreciate the chat, man. Thanks a lot. All right, you too. Thank you. All right, Canuck fans, that uh, pretty much wraps it up here for episode one of the Orca Pod. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode. I had a lot of fun hosting. Uh, it was a different experience to do on my own, but I'm really, uh, I'm really happy to have some good guests like Pete Edwards and uh, Clay Emo. They were, they were fantastic. Uh, they're really, really awesome Canuck fans. Um, if you want to follow them on Twitter, they're, they're great. Um, but thank you for uh, listening to episode one. Um, I hope, I'm hoping to do this each and every week, and uh, it's going to be a blast. It's, it's going to be fun. And so if you're looking for extra Canucks news, uh, it's right here, the Orca Pod. And uh, it's going to be fun watching the Canucks, and uh, it's going to be great reporting on them. Um, such a great team we have this year. Uh, franchise face and Patterson. Uh, the same thing can be said for Quinn Hughes on the back end. And uh, Jacob Markstrom's having a Vesna caliber season. Plus, we have an amazing supporting cast in Bo Horvat, uh, Brock Besser, JT Miller, Tyler Toffoli. Tanner Pearson, Jake Furtan, and Adam Gaudet. The list goes on and on. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to think the Canucks could even have a Final Four finish in the, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know there's 21 games to go, um, and it's tight all the way to the end. Uh, lots of work to be done still, but uh, Jim Benning's making some very interesting moves, and it's going to be it's going to be a tight tight fight all the way to the finish. And the, the sky's the limit for this team, you guys. Really, the uh, the window's just opened, and uh, yeah, that's that's episode of episode one of the uh the orca pod i hope you guys enjoyed it i'll be back next week go canucks go